right? And so this is how the history before Christ came. This was our story. There was an irreconcilable relationship. We couldn't be with God. We couldn't be in God's presence because He's perfect and holy, but we are sinful and insufficient. But God was not interested in letting the relationship remain irreconcilable, that He came through Christ through Christ, to pay the price that we couldn't pay, to solve the problem that we couldn't solve, to deal with the issue that we couldn't deal with. He was the only one capable and the only one willing. He's the only one capable. That's why Jesus is God. He's the only one willing. That's why Jesus is love. The aim of tonight's message is not for you to laugh at me, not for you to, not for you to be impressed with me. I really hope I get out of the way. I mean, my red hair is going to be distracting, but... Outside of that, my hope is that you would see Jesus, that you would see the love of Jesus, that you would see not only that Jesus is God, but Jesus is love. God is not something to be afraid of. God is not something to be angry at. God is something to be appreciated, someone to receive. And that person to receive is Jesus Christ. So just so you know, at the end, if you've never been in a service like this before, at the end of the service, uh, uh, I will be asking anyone who hasn't received Jesus or has never prayed to Jesus or wants to experience Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand in prayer. And all that, that's all it is, is that you would have an opportunity to receive Jesus. So I want you to be, as we go through tonight's message, to be thinking about Jesus, to be thinking about Jesus' love. And my hope is that with this sermon, you would truly see him. And then when that moment comes to receive, pray that you would raise your hand for me and I could pray for you. Does that sound good? So excited to be with you guys this evening. As, as Chrissy said, um, I'll, I'll just talk about C, uh, C3 Roselle Fridays. That's a new thing we've started up in our Roselle campus with Pastor Ward. Um, and uh, our aim there is to reach young adults, young professionals, and university students. And uh, that has been uh, the most exciting thing in my life in a long time. That's what I believe I was made to do. And uh, I have spent my whole life, my whole life since I've been saved, uh, going towards being in the ministry working in church, volunteering, building teams, reaching out to people. That's always been my passion since I became a Christian at 16 years old. And um, the reason why I'm so excited about Roselle Fridays is I now get to reach people who are just like me when I was 17, who were just like Chrissy when she was however old you were when you got saved, Chrissy. And my, I'm excited because what I, what I, and this is why I'm most excited, I'm most passionate, is that I've started, you know, getting so interested in church. I read about church. I read about young adult ministry. I read about young adults in church today. And I was reading all these articles how there's a, and the phrase that people love to use is there's a young adult exodus, that young adults are leaving the church in droves, that young adults are finding religion to be uh, irrelevant and that Jesus doesn't mean uh, anything. He's just some kind of good teacher, a good figure. And young adults are now apathetic and young adults don't have responsibility and young adults uh, 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 won't work hard enough. And I was reading all these articles and I started to realize, but wait, uh, that's not me. And then I looked at my friendships and all the people that I was serving with at church and realized, that's not them either. And then I realized that my generation had been sold a lie. We are not exiting. We are not defeated. You do not have to despair about my generation. We are coming. God's kingdom is being advanced. The church is being built. The gospel is being furthered. It is happening. We are going to do it. Don't write off this generation. Don't write us off. And so that's why I'm so excited with C3 Roselle Fridays. I get to be a part of a team that goes out and shows the world that the church is not dying, that Jesus is not irrelevant, that we are still in, we are entering into even brighter days. We respect and appreciate the legacy of those who have gone before us. We respect and appreciate it, but you don't write us off. We are coming. We, we are here to see the church built in Jesus' name. So 
That's why I'm most excited. I'm really, really, really passionate about that. If there's one thing that you'll notice in this sermon is that I am loud and intense. So brace yourselves, everybody. It's going to be a good evening. Um, uh, guys, I absolutely love C3 Silverwater. I, have, I love you guys. It's been such an incredible uh, uh, opportunity to make so many uh, friends here with you guys. And just uh, in September, I was with you in um, C3 Bankstown with Dylan and Amanda. Give it up for Dylan and Amanda over there. And that was awesome. And it went, as soon as I walked into that building, I felt vision. I felt the potential of where C3 Bankstown was going. And I feel a similar thing when I'm in C3 Silverwater. Not only that, I, what I love about C3 Silverwater is the authentic community. You are a legitimate, sincere, loving, Christ-centered community. There is no pretension. There's no judgment. There's just love and acceptance. And if you're new here, it's your first time, can I encourage you to, to, to keep coming back? Because this is truly a place that will love you, that will accept you, that will look after you. And there are just so many incredible people here. And I, I am so blessed every time I get to hang out with anyone from C3 Silverwater, and I really believe that that is a result and a fruit of your incredible pastors, Pastor Natalie and Hartley Taylor. Give it up for Pastor Nat and Hart, who were youth leaders when I uh, was first uh, at, at, when I first came to church. And uh, I, what I love about you guys is that you, um, as, as a young, I'm only 25, and I'm still trying to figure out uh, what it means to be a young person in ministry and what, what I should look to be as a young minister. And uh, a lot of, you might know this, but a lot of young ministers get in the trap of trying to be impressive. We try and be impressive. We try to be the big guy, the big shot, the, the head honcho, right? I know that we're in Christian ministry, and that shouldn't happen, but it definitely does. But when I hang out with you guys, I only experience kindness. It's not about what can I do for you. It's you're always wondering, how am I? You're always checking in on who I am. You're always encouraging me and believing in me and supporting me. And that's where I've come to really, what I really admire is your kindness. And that's something that I want to aim to be. I don't want to be impressive. I want to be anointed and kind like you guys. I don't want to be impressive for the sake of impressing people on social media. I want to be legitimate leaders like the incredible leaders that you are and the incredible uh, community that you've built here. Can we give it up for your pastors? I'm so grateful for you guys. Okay. So I'm going to talk about dreams tonight, and I'm going to talk about some dreams that have been fulfilled in my own life that I'm really excited to share with you, and we're going to do a bit of a journey in Joseph's story. Uh, but before I share that, I just wanted to let you know that a recent dream of mine uh, ha has been fulfilled. I actually got engaged on Wednesday. Hey, that's my fiance Felicity down there. And the reason why, and I won't bother going with my proposal story because it will never match up to Pastor Hartley's, but... Um, the reason why uh, that is a dream fulfilled and that, that really shows my faith, resolve, and God's sovereign grace is not only because Felicity is incredibly beautiful, but three months into our relationship, uh, I uh, met her extended family for the first time. It was about two years from today, around this time. I went to meet uh, her extended family at Christmas for the first time, and her extended family is a pretty large family. It's like 35 people in one big house, and so I'm pretty nervous as I'm going in, in, in to meet them all. I'm feeling like, you know, well, it's a lot of names to remember. It's a lot of stories to remember. This is going to be a pretty tough time anyway, but I'm a self-confident guy, or at least I pretend to be, so I, I walk in there, and, and, um, and I just start working the room. I, I, am working at, I am working the room. I'm talking to toddlers, to moms and dads, to aunties and uncles, to second distant cousins, to the grandma and the grandfather, and I am making conversation with everyone. I am killing it. No one of this. I actually believe that this was the most successful <laughs> mission from the, uh, the, the, the boyfriend meeting the in-laws family 
Right? I was just killing it. I couldn't have been doing it better. I, I got to tell you, I could not have been doing it better. I was remembering names, remembering stories. It was just absolutely on top of things, right? So it gets to 4 p.m. in the afternoon. I've been there for about five hours, and I am now feeling comfortable because I've really, really, I've nailed it, guys. And so we're sitting on the back lounge, uh, the back porch, the back porch there on a couch, and um, I've, I've gladly received my first glass of red wine for the afternoon. And uh, Felicity and I are like, uh, like Felic- uh, we're lying on a couch like, like this, right? Like this. And, and so Felicity's, uh, my feet are facing this way, Felicity's facing this way. And uh, can you all see me? Okay, and so, um, and so because I'm like, I'm just like, we're kind of debriefing whilst I'm at the lunch still, and I'm like, look, I'm doing awesome, right? Like, give me a high five, right? Now, if you don't know me, my like soul, uh, my, my defining characteristic is how annoying I am, so, and how many practical jokes I play. So my, I, when I'm going to say to Felicity to give me a high five, I'm not actually going to get a high five, I'm just going to pull back like that, right? And she's just going to do an air swing, air five, and it's going to be really embarrassing for her. I know, I'm very, uh, yeah, I'm a small-minded man. Okay, so, anyway. <laughs> So I go, how awesome am I doing? Give me a high five. And as she goes to give me a high five, I pull back my left hand like that, right? But regrettably, my brain did not inform my right hand that this was just a left hand operation, right? So I haven't taken a drink of that red wine in my right hand yet. And so I push back my left hand like this. But as I pull back the left hand, the right hand full of red wine flies past my ear. So it's like, right? Right? And so I wish I could say that that red wine landed harmlessly on the grass. I wish I could say the red wine landed like on the cat. I actually wish it landed on the cat, right? Uh, Or on the dog or something. I would have even chosen it to land on white carpet and stain the carpet. No, none of that happened. I whoosh back the red wine. And who does it land on? Her granddad. All over him, doused in red wine. I throw it back. And the, the worst part is no one has seen it. So the granddad gets like this, doused in red wine. They're covered. There's red wine on his arm and his legs. It looks like he's sweating blood. It's crazy. And he just goes, what happened? And I have to tell him that I just threw red wine in him. I said, John, I'm so sorry. I've, I've thrown red wine in you. It was an accident. He goes, well, why did you do that? So, to go from dousing the patriarch of the McHugh family in red wine to getting engaged to Felicity, I think is a dream fulfilled. I think God's goodness has prevailed. You ain't coming back from that without God's grace. Okay, so what we're going to do this evening is study. uh, I really want to encourage us in our dreaming. I truly believe that God desires for us to have a vision for our life, not just a vision for our church, not just a vision for our business, but a vision for our life. God wants us to dream big. And so we're going to look at the story of Joseph and his dream and his vision and how God graciously moved on in his life. But before we go on that, there's a few points I want to make, make here so that you know, as we think about dreams, that any kind of objection you have to dreaming is, is, is dealt with here. So the first one is this, God's grace allows for you to dream. Because God is gracious, you are allowed to, you are allowed to dream. Don't let religion choke you. Don't let religion squash the dream. Some of us think we have to have small visions or we can't dream because that's not pious, that's not religious, that's not righteous. No, God is overwhelming and scandalous in his grace. He believes in you. He loves you. He is faithful to you. You have permission to dream from God. The second point I wanted to encourage you in is that God's power means the dream can happen. Don't let your understanding of the reality restrict what God can do. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
He is powerful. He is faithful. He is able to move when we can't. He is able to make things happen when we can't. God's power means the dream can happen. And then finally, God's people are here to make the dream happen. Don't let your own insecurity get in the way of someone else's dream. Australian culture is full of tall poppy syndrome where we try and bring people down for their successes or we try and tell people to not get their hopes up and we try and say, no, you're thinking too outlandish, that's too crazy, a dream that makes you look too good. And so what we do is we criticize. We get, a, we get a false humility complex and we pull people down. But no, God's people are here to make the dream happen. Our role as a community is to build the dream, is to help dreamers, to help visionaries, not to hold them down, not to pull them back. That's not God's grace. That's not God's grace being embodied through us. The reason why I'm sharing that is that we're going to look at these points in greater detail as we go through Joseph's journey. You good? You with me? All right, we're going to get a little bit dense, and then we're really going to go, um, go for it. Okay, so it, just for anyone who hasn't been in church before, and the reason why I continually make that note is that with See Through Roselle Fridays, we've got a lot of new people coming in that have never been in church before, and I don't want to assume that you know what's happening. And I want you to feel comfortable and informed so that every step along the way, you know what we're doing. So when we get to that moment when we talk about Jesus, you can go, I'm going to raise my hand because I fully understand what's going on here. Is that all right? So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad we've got visitors in church. It's awesome. Okay, so here's Joseph's journey in two minutes. Are you ready to follow me? All right, we're going to power through this because Joseph, I'll just be honest, guys, uh, it's part laziness, it's part efficiency. Like Joseph's story is like four chapters long in Genesis, and Genesis chapters are really long. So I'm just doing it in two minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, good. All right. All right, so jo Joseph, he's the 11th son of Jacob. He was the favorite son. He had a dream that, that he would have great influence and power, and all his brothers would bow to him. And so because he had this dream, his brothers hated him for it, and so they made a plot. This is getting real Old Testament, right? They made a plot to kill him in the wilderness, right? And so, but instead of Joseph being killed in the wilderness, he actually gets sold into slavery. And so he becomes, what happens is he gets sold into slavery and becomes a slave or a servant in the, in the house of a high-ranking official named Potiphar. Everyone say Potiphar. Okay, now, Joseph, as a servant in this house, actually excels in his duties and becomes a, uh, uh, excels in his duties as a servant of God's, because of God's favor. So he actually is very reliable in Potiphar's house and is treated in high regard. But then what happens is Potiphar's wife gets the hots for him and tries to seduce him, but Joseph's having none of that, right? But, and so then she gets kind of upset and bitter and twisted, and, and she falsely accuses him of rape, and Joseph is thrown into prison. So firstly, he was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. And then once he's doing awesome in the, in, in the role that he's in, he's then betrayed again and thrown into prison. Um, and then in prison, Joseph uh, interprets two dreams accurately in the prison of influential figures. There were influential figures who were in prison for a time. He interprets their dreams correctly. And so the result of that, he gets a reputation. And two years later, the king invites Joseph in to interpret a dream for him. And Joseph interpret, interprets that dream correctly. And the, the result of that is that the king really rates and uh, uh, favors Joseph and so because of that, Joseph is made ruler over Egypt, second only to the king. So he went from having a big dream, a big vision, to being betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery, then, from the, then excelling as his role as a servant. But then as he gets into a place of influence, he's then betrayed again and thrown into the prison. And then as he interprets the dreams for these guys, he's actually forgotten in the prison. But then eventually the word gets out about his dream interpretation. And so then he finds himself in the king's palace as the second in command. And so there we see Joseph's dream fulfilled because a famine goes in the land which causes Joseph's brothers go, going to go down to Egypt to get food. 
They bow down in submission to Joseph, not realizing it is him. And there Joseph reveals his identity and forgives his brother. We're going to study this journey of this dream, of Joseph's story. Because what happens is it's not from A to B. He doesn't just rise and rise and rise and rise and rise. He doesn't get a dream from God, goes out for it, and it all works out for him. In fact, the opposite is true. Gets a dream from God, his life gets worse. Then it gets better. Then it gets even worse. Then it gets a bit better. Then it gets kind of bad. And then it gets really good. And then it gets freaking awesome. Right? So I want to study Joseph's journey because I believe that there are a lot of points here that, encourage us, that can encourage us in our dream as we go out in 2016 and go after the vision that God has given us for this year. Maybe your vision is a five-year vision. Maybe it's a 10-year vision. Maybe it's this year you need something to happen. You need something to change. I'm here to encourage you through God's word, through seeing Jesus and his faithfulness, that this is the year that it can start to turn around, that this is the year for you to dream bigger. For you, or for you to dream again. You with me? All right, so the first point is this. Lessons from Joseph's journey. Here's the first point. Big dreaming will flare up insecurity in others. Big dreaming will flare up. This is going to get a bit, uh, I'm going to test some people, right? I'm going to test some attitudes, and then we're going to get to the, to the uh, light and fluffy stuff. Okay, Genesis 37.5. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. His brothers hated him even more. And Genesis 37, 10 to 11. But when he told the dream to his fathers and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And here at verse 11, and his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept, saying, kept the saying in mind. Big dreaming will flare up the insecurity in others. When someone has a dream, when someone has a big dream, when someone has a dream that seems kind of crazy, like Pastor Phil's dream to see Sydney a city for Christ, when someone has a dream that crazy, when someone has a dream that big, how do you respond? Here's what I've often observed in Australian culture, is that big dreaming flames up the insecurity in other people. To the tall poppies and small thinkers, to the people with tall poppy syndrome and small thinking, why do you feel the need to disprove, discredit, or undermine the dream? Why do you feel the need to discredit, disprove, or undermine the, the dream? In Genesis 37, 20, we see this in Joseph's brothers. Then they, they, they will say, a fierce animal has devoured him. And they say, and we will see what will become of his dreams. We will see what will become of his dreams. There's two ways you can say that. It's one, one's with the spirit of that tall poppy syndrome, of that small thinking, and the other one's in your believing in that person. When we say, if we find ourselves ever saying, we'll see what become of this, this person's dream. We'll see what becomes of my friend's dream. We'll see what becomes of my brother's dream. We'll see what becomes of my sister's dream. If we say that, let it not be in a spirit that's trying to pull them down. Let it not be with a cynical attitude and a sour mindset. Let it be because we are someone who when they see the dreamer, when they see that Joseph, they say, here comes this dreamer, and we greet them with enthusiasm and excitement. Let not small thinking define us. Let not tall poppy syndrome define us. Let not our insecurity and our small thinking and the fact that things aren't working out well in our life stop us from believing in other people. We are God's community, Christ-centered, in love, humble, servant-hearted. It's not about us anyway. Let's believe in other people. Here's, here's how I view, uh, here's one of the easiest markers for if you're a small thinker, if you've got tall poppy syndrome. When someone posts good news or something they're proud of on social media, how do you react? Are you someone who goes, rolls your eyes? Go, oh, right? If I see another Hillsong post with stadiums full, I'm going to die. Right? <laughs> right? That's one way you could respond. 
right? But how do you respond to someone's good news? Next time you're scrolling through Instagram, are you liking that? Are you supporting that person? Are you believing in that person? That's the difference between small thinking and tall poppy syndrome and someone who's like, no, no, I believe in the dream that God has given you. I believe that you were called. I believe that God can do incredible things in your life. Can you imagine, the way I think about it is, can you imagine how many big thinkers and leaders and dreamers Pastor Phil has to lead and empower? Right? The only reason C3 Church is growing is that he has the capacity, the humility, and the security in Christ to go, yeah, go for it. Because there are some guys with some incredible visions, some big dreams with big uh, goals. And if Pastor Phil was someone who was small-minded and insecure, then C3 Church would have never grown more than 10. Right? We've got to get bigger. In... Oh, there goes my pen. That's fine. I don't need to write right now. We need to get bigger in our mindset. We need to get bigger in when, when people present to us dreams. We need to get, we show our bigness by being supportive and encouraging. That's how you show big thinking. That's how you show security. By not going, oh man, but what about my dream? Oh man, that person's dream is a lot bigger and a lot crazier than mine. It looks like it might actually work and I've got a smaller dream and nothing's happening. If we respond with, oh no, you shouldn't do that, we're showing how small our thinking is. We're showing our insecurity. Let's find a security in Christ where we can be supportive of the dreamers. Let's find security in Christ. When Joseph comes in and says, here is my dream, we can go say, go for it, God is with you. Go for it, I am with you. Go for it, how can I help? Okay, uh, point number two. Sometimes your suffering or struggle is the doorway to the dream. Sometimes your suffering or, su- or struggle is the doorway to the dream. Watch this. Joseph's dreams happened because he was taken to Egypt. Uh, Genesis 37, 28. I'll just go, go they, they took Joseph to Egypt. Joseph's dream ha- happens because he was taken to Egypt. But Egypt symbolizes the suffering and the struggle that Joseph's going through. He got this dream, and then he's sold into slavery and taken to Egypt. His suffering and struggle became the doorway for the dream to open. It became the doorway for the dream to happen. But so often when we're believing God, when we're trusting in God, when we're following God with our dream, whether it's to expand our business, whether it's to grow a family, whether it's to buy a house, whether it's to build a church, whether it's to enter into a ministry, when we're trusting God with our vision, sometimes this is what happens. We encounter a roadblock, we encounter a struggle, we go through some suffering, and we think that that means that God's not in it. Or we think that that means that God's not for us. Or we think that that means that the dream isn't met to happen, but can I suggest to you that the suffering and the struggle is actually a doorway to the dream? This isn't uh, the, the Christian walk isn't fairy floss. It isn't light and fluffy. There is challenge and, and obstacle and struggle, and what it does is it creates character in us. It creates substance in our spirit. That suffering and struggle, don't despise it. Don't curse your circumstance. Don't despise it. It could well be the doorway to your dream. If my dream, which it is, is to be an effective and fruitful minister for God's kingdom, to build C3 Church, to reach young adults, then, I, then, then I'm going to go through struggles and sufferings that are going to be relevant to young adults, right? So for me, here's my suffering and struggle that I've battled with over the past couple of years, and I'm going to get honest here, is that um, I, I have often battled with self-condemning thoughts, self-loathing thoughts, where uh, it doesn't matter what I've done, doesn't matter how well I think I'm doing, doesn't matter what responsibilities I have, what respect I have, how many people say nice things to me, that uh, I can go home and feel like I hate myself. And these would be the common thoughts that would go through my mind. It'd be this, I hate myself. I'm such an idiot. I want to die. I hate myself. You're such an idiot. 
I want to die. And I reckon I, I battled with that for about 18 months. Every, every time after ministry, every time after preaching in a place like this, every time after maybe doing work or something didn't work out or I encountered another roadblock or I stuffed something up or I went through a suffering, I hate myself. I'm such an idiot. I want to die. And that was just this darkness that was consuming me, this despair that was defining me. And through God's grace and, and, and support from great friends and pastors and relying on his scripture, I started to rewire my brain to think the right things, to think what God's grace thinks of me, to think what Jesus' love thinks of me. And it was, but, but going through it was absolutely exhausting. Some of you will know that feeling. You know that feeling where you actually don't know what you're feeling. It's empty. You're drained of life. You're drained of hope. You're drained of happiness. It doesn't matter what anyone says. You can't feel a thing. All you can feel is the self-loathing that you have towards yourself. And when I was going through that, I remember hating myself. I remember absolutely hating that experience. But as God's grace started and, and, and reading his word and spending time with him and praying to him, as I started to realize his goodness and started to realize who I am in Christ and I started to not be controlled by those thoughts anymore, not be defined by those thoughts anymore, I started to share the story like I'm sharing with you tonight. And you know what I discovered? Is that I had this vision that in order to be this uh, man of God and this effective minister and this effective leader that would reach people and minister to people, that I had to have it all together I had to be the big shot who had no problems, no weaknesses, no nothing. But what I discovered once sharing those stories, once sharing the struggle and the suffering that I went through, is that altar calls were full of people wanting to find emotional restoration. People, were, people would contact me directly going, I need to catch up with coffee because what you said spoke to me. I've been struggling with mental health issues for two years. I've been struggling with depression for ages. I've been struggling with depression my whole life and I finally found breakthrough. I finally found freedom. I was, I was blocked by this thing for years and I finally found breakthrough, right? I thought the doorway to getting towards my dream was having it all together. The doorway was getting through the suffering and the struggle. That's how it's happened. It hasn't happened through, it's actually not happened through what I've done well. It's happened by, it, it, it's, it's opened up by God using his grace through my weaknesses, through my battles, through my struggles. And the same applies to you, that your suffering and your struggle is not to be cursed or despised. It's to be embraced. It's to find Jesus in it. Because that's your doorway to breakthrough. That's your doorway to the dream happening. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again. James 1.2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Romans 3.5, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Your struggles set you up for your calling. They don't stop you from your calling. They set you up for it. That's why you can rejoice, because Christ will be revealed. Christ will show himself faithful. God will be glorified. The dream will happen. That suffering and struggle is not defining you. Don't let it. Don't let it be the definer of your identity. Remember his grace. Remember that hope does not put us to shame, but his love is poured through our, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Point number three. I get really passionate about this point I'm about to share. Which if you thought that was passion, wait. Okay, so <laughs> point number three. Why are you mourning over the next generation? We are alive. Genesis 37, 34. 
Then Jacob, who remember is Joseph's father, Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. He mourned for his son for many days. When I was reading this scripture in early December last year, when I was reading this scripture, I thought, Jacob, why are you mourning? Jacob's mourning because he thinks his son is dead. He thinks his favorite son is dead. He thinks that generation has stopped. He thinks that generation has done. But Joseph is alive. Whilst Jacob's ripping his clothes, Joseph's working things out in Potiphar's house. Jacob's ripped his clothes, not realizing that Joseph's found his way into the place of influence in the kingdom. Why are we mourning? We are alive. Why are we, why are we mourning and commiserating as if it's not going to happen, as if the dream's not going to happen? We are alive. We might not tear our clothes, but we might write Facebook posts. We might not tear our clothes, but we might make comments over coffee about the next generation or this generation or about what's going to happen. We don't tear our clothes, but we still show mourning in other ways. But my suggestion here is that through, Jacob, uh, through Joseph's story, we can see that there is no need to mourn. Christ is still moving through this generation. Imagine, imagine maybe eight years, ten years ago, C3 Silverwater, how easy it could have been for someone to tear their clothes and mourn over what had happened. No, C3 Silverwater is alive. Someone believed. Someone had a vision. Someone kept going. Someone went for it. There are a team here who have been here for many years when it wasn't easy, when it wasn't happening, but you committed. You did not write off this place. And your story as a church is an incredible, inspiring, and encouraging story because it could have been so easy to mourn, but instead you've rejoiced. It could have been so easy to mourn, but instead you've persevered. It could have been so easy to mourn, but instead you've endured. It could have been so easy to mourn, but instead you've remained faithful and in faith that God can move. So the question becomes, why are we mourning over our circumstance? God is alive. Jesus is risen. You can't change that fact. Jesus is risen. So look to your circumstance again and believe. Look to this battle again and believe. Look to your dream again and believe. Do not tear your clothes, Jacobs. Do not tear your clothes, mothers and fathers. Do not mourn. Do not weep. Do not despair. God is moving. God is faithful. God is still bearing fruit in this generation. Point number four. If you work hard at serving others, favor is not far from you. If you work hard at serving others, favor is not far from you. Genesis 39, uh, 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Genesis 39, 23. And whatever he did, whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it succeed. Joseph's pathway to influence, Joseph's pathway to the dream happening was his commitment to serving someone else. He was excellent at serving someone else's vision. He was excellent at building someone else's house. He was excellent at overseeing someone else's responsibility. And so whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Can I quickly tell you my journey in my one minute? This is it. Every decision I have made since I was 16 has been anchored by my commitment to serving in C3 Church. That's it. That's it. Every commitment. I didn't get a, I have, I've not had one good job outside of the job that, I've worked at, that I work for at C3 Church. I've not had, and that doesn't pay well either, right? So, <laughs> but um, I, I, I've knocked back study, not because I don't think, believe in study, not because I couldn't do study, but because I anchored my commitment in my, anchored my decision. Every decision was anchored in my commitment to build C3 Church. So here's what happened. 16 years old, I helped set up the stage for youth. 17 years old, I helped set up pre-party for youth. 18 years old, ran the games for Sunday morning youth. 19 years old, 
there was a big transition. I ended up running teams for young adults. 20 years old. I volunteered full-time for two and a half years in the offices for C3 young adults, running operations, marketing, and teams. 23 years old. Came on staff for volunteers and operations for Sunday night services at Oxford Falls and C3 college enrollments. 24 years old. Preached for the first time at C3 Oxford Falls Sunday service. Preached approximately 15 times over that year. 25 years old. Running C3 global communication, C3 college marketing, service pastor for C3 Roselle Fridays. All I've decided to do is serve this house. Now, that's my dream. I'm living and walking in my dream. That might not be your dream, right? But the principle applies. I've only ever committed to building this church, and God has opened the doors for me. Here's the problem. A lot of young leaders want authority, but conveniently ignore opportunities for consecration. A lot of us want authority, but conveniently ignore the opportunities for consecration. If you want to bring in a harvest, you need to accept that it might be hard work. If you want to bring in a harvest, you might accept that it might be hard work. So in 2016, as you look at what this church is doing, it's what C3 Silverwater is, the harvest of souls we want to bring in. It's what you want to do in this community. How can you step it up in your commitment? How can you step it up in your consecration? How can you follow that example of Joseph and commit and serve in excellence and then the Lord bring favor in all that you do? If you want to bring in the harvest, you've got to accept that it's going to be hard work. Don't, don't ignore the opportunity for consecration. Accept it and embrace it because that's where God starts to move because it's no longer relying on your strength and your attitudes. It's God's grace working through your weakness, working through your inadequacy, working through your insufficiency, and that's what brings him glory. What brings him glory is us relying on him, being obedient to him, being committed to him, being, uh, putting others before ourselves. Point number five. Your impossible dream could well become an accepted norm in society. Genesis 41, 57. All the earth came to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe all over the earth. Do you remember Joseph? He went to Egypt bound, enslaved and betrayed and alone. Not that much later, maybe five to ten years later, the world was coming to him for provision. He came to Egypt enslaved, bound and betrayed. Later in life, people come to Egypt to find favor with him. The dream that you have for your life, whether small or big right now, could well be a reality. The reason why I say this is because when I wrote down on my dreams card for 2015 what I wanted God to achieve this year, I wrote down some really crazy things that had no opportunity in happening. One of them was being engaged, because after you've heard that grandfather story, you can see why that was impossible, right? <laughs> but I wrote down, I, said, I, I felt in my heart, oh man, I really want to travel, but I have no money and uh, I work, so... Uh, I can't get time off to work, right? And all my friends uh, had gone and done travel. I just really wanted to see the world. So I wrote to the Lord, God, I, want to, I can't believe I wrote this. And Felicity never said anything because she was like, I can't talk about this because there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> that's like, this is really crazy. I don't want him to get disappointed. So I'm just going to pretend like he didn't write that down in his dream card. But I wrote to God, I, wrote, I, want, to be, I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go to Asia. I want to go to USA. I want to go to Europe. And I had nothing on the cards, nothing was happening, this was in January, and nothing, I don't know, how, like, I'm just a 24-year-old kid, I don't know how that's going to happen, right? right? I just, no, that can't happen, but I'll write it down anyway, I'll believe God for it, because I felt this inkling, and it doesn't hurt to write something on a piece of paper, right? So, I wrote it down, and just committed to the Lord, and then I felt the Lord say to me, go send through a proposal that'll take you to all those countries. Who, who do I send it to, God? He just told me to send it to our principal of C3 College, Pat Ancliffe, and just say, go and present this and say you'll go and grow the C3 College by going to these conferences and these locations. And so I sent through this proposal, and then, uh, and then Pat, uh, naturally Pat was like, uh, well, this seems a bit um, 
you know, crazy. So we'll just sit on it for a little bit and we'll see what budget opens up. I was like, yeah, cool. No worries. I've done, I've obeyed God and we'll see what happens. Okay. So uh, fast forward to the end of this year and uh, 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 for work, for promoting C3 College, for building C3 Church, I got to go to uh, Europe, UK, USA, New Zealand, Singapore, Malaysia, uh, uh, Malaysia, Malaysia, Singapore. Like, I just went everywhere, everywhere, right? Now, now I've started to go, I need to dream bigger because that was impossible to me. That was, I also wrote, start an out extension service reaching university students. That happened in September. I also wrote down, get engaged. That happened in December, right? You've got to start dreaming bigger because it could well become reality. You've got to start dreaming, keep dreaming, enlarge that vision because it could actually happen. I, I will live by this now. Your dreams can actually happen. They actually can. I now need to dream bigger. I thought that was a three-year plan. I'd maybe five. I thought that would be, it's already happened. You've got to dream bigger. Everyone say dream bigger. And I'll finish with this story. God is with you. God is with you in your dreaming. God is faithful to you. When I was 17 years old, I felt God called me to C3 College to do ministry. Felt like he had said, your calling is to be in ministry. You're called to be a preacher. You're called to be a pastor. So I signed up for C3 College. But I don't come from a Christian family. None, no one in my family is Christian. My family does not support my decision to be a Christian, does not support my aim and goal and dream to be a minister. So I knew when I had gone to my parents and said, hey, I've applied for C3 College and been accepted, I knew it wasn't going to be met well. And uh, regrettably, it wasn't met well, and my parents kicked me out of home. I said, we, we, we can't support this decision. You've got to go. And I had three weeks to find a place, a job, and uh, get my fees together for C3 College. And by God's grace, that managed to work out. And I spent the next year, the whole Remember now, if you want to bring in the harvest, you've got to accept that it might be hard work. I was up at quarter to five doing a paper run before going to chapel at C3 College. I'd go to college, and then I'd, I'd, I didn't have a car, so I'd either walk up or catch a lift up to Forestal Shops, which is about 50 minutes from where I was living at that time, and um, work there. And then from there, I would find a night job and work in the night job. So I would go, I would be up in the morning out of my house at quarter to five in the morning. I wouldn't be get, getting back home for dinner till 11 p.m., working three jobs, trying to make this happen, trying to survive. Like, when I was 18, I didn't really, had no life experience. I didn't really know much, and I was just working jobs and, 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 and going harder. And I spent about three terms doing that until term four, um, when my mum, my I get a phone call from my mum, and we've not been close over this year, of course. Naturally, when you kick someone out, you're not going to be close. So, um, and I get a phone call from my mum, and she says to me, well, we've heard uh, what you've been doing. We've heard the sacrifices you've been made. We've heard the positive impact you've been making in your community. Uh, we want you to know that you're invited to come back home and uh, we want to pay for your second year of C3 College. We want to pay for your... Se- so we went from being kicked out of home for doing C3 College to my parents paying for second year of C3 College. Not only that, that story progresses now that my brothers have gone through some struggles and my parents are going to me, how can we get your brothers to C3 College? There's been a complete turnaround. Why? Not because of me, but because of God is faithful. God is faithful to the dream. Imagine if I said, oh, I'm going to get kicked out of home. I'm not going to do this. Imagine if I said, oh, no, 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 Jesus isn't worth it. This call, this dream. What, what would I have missed out on? Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on God's faithfulness. If there is opposition, if there is, if there is an obstruction, if there is a challenge, if there is a struggle, if there is a suffering, know that God is faithful. Romans 5.8 is about to come up onto the screen. 
But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can I encourage you this evening that even if the dream isn't happening right now, even if it's, in, if it's infancy or if it's had to die for a season, you can't change the fact that Jesus died for you. You won't change the fact that Jesus resurrected for you. You can't change that he's all powerful and that he's all loving. He can make the dream happen, but even if it's not happening, don't let that be the definition of your identity. Don't let that be the defining authority of your identity. Let the, authority, let the defining authority of your identity be Christ Jesus and his love for you. I am not who I am. I am not happy in myself because I'm successful. I'm not happy or down in myself because I failed. It's nothing to do with that. It's all to do with Christ and his love for you. So can I ask everyone in this moment to close your eyes? Bow your heads. What we're doing right now is offering an opportunity for people to receive prayer for dreams, to receive prayer, to uh, receive the love of Jesus. And we bow our heads to just respect the privacy of this moment. But there are four kinds of people in a room like tonight. The first person is someone who knows who they are in Christ, who knows the goodness of the gospel, who knows Jesus loves them, knows they died for them, and is all good with that and has has an active personal relationship with God. This moment is not for you, so can I encourage you to pray for everyone else in this room right now? But the second kind of person is you've never been in a service like this or you've never prayed a prayer like this where you've said, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I want to receive your love. Jesus, I want to receive your faithfulness. I want to receive the grace and the power to make these dreams happen. God, I've tried it my way and it's not working. God, I've had my dreams and they're not working. God, I've tried it in my own strength and it's not working. Can I please have your grace tonight? You'll have an opportunity soon to to receive that grace, to receive God's goodness, to receive God's power. All you need to do is raise your hand. When I count to three later, all you need to do is raise your hand and you can receive that grace. You can receive that love. You can receive that power. The third kind of person in a a room like like this evening is is, is someone uh, that uh, used to be in church. Maybe you used to pray to God. Maybe you used to believe in God. Maybe you're still on team, but you're just going through the motions of religion. You just feel empty. You feel no connection with God. When I was talking about God's faithfulness and God's goodness, you felt no connection with that. You envied after that. You longed after that. You're missing those days. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church and you're just visiting because you're uh, you're with family or, or something like that. Can I encourage you? You too can experience God's goodness and God's love again. So when I count to three and soon, I want you to raise your hand as well. Raise your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus. And the final kind of person this evening that I want to pray for is if you're just not sure. You're not sure if God is real. You're not sure if you're right with God. You're not sure if you leave here tonight and, and, and it's all over. You don't know if you're going to heaven or not. You don't know if you're going to be with God or not because you haven't experienced Him. You haven't encountered Him. You're just not sure. I want you to raise your hand too. So I'm about to count to three. And when I, when I say three, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're one of those three people, please raise your hand. Don't miss out on the goodness and love of Jesus Christ. One, He is too good to miss out on. He is too faithful to miss out on. I know the struggle that you have in your mind. I know what it's like to handle disappointment. I know what it's like to feel betrayed, to feel alone. Maybe you're angry at God. I know what that feels like too. But don't miss out on this opportunity to reconcile with Him right now. Two, this is your night. I'm here for you. I wasn't here to tell a story. I was here for you to encounter Jesus. I was here for you to encounter his love and grace again. So as I say three, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand and receive God's love. Three, raise your hand right now. Thank you. God bless you. Who else is there? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Three, there's three hands there. I reckon there's a couple more people here. Raise your hands high so I can see them. Let me see those hands. Who else is there? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. 
Who else is there? Who else is there? Who wants to receive Jesus tonight? Receive his grace, love, and forgiveness. I think I've seen four hands, but I believe that there is one more person here tonight. Who is there? Lift your hand right now. Be bold and courageous. Don't miss out on that blessing. Don't miss out on his goodness. Don't miss out on encountering his magnificence, his wonder. Raise your hand right now for me. Is there anyone else? I'm going to close in 10 seconds. Don't miss this opportunity. Is there anyone else? Just raise your hand right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just want to put your hand down for a second. I ask everyone just to stand up. And the band's going to come on up and we're going to worship God. But before we worship God, can I ask if you raised your hand, I'd love to pray with you right now. I'd like to go through that prayer with you of you encountering God's goodness. So if you're with a friend, come on down. Otherwise, I'll be here with you. It's nothing weird. It's just a simple prayer. I'd love for you to come on down. So if you just want to come on down right now, whoever raised their hand. Who else is there? A couple more hands that I saw. Be bold. Come on down. I'll wait for you. This brother's coming down too. Thank you, God. Come on, give it up. Give it up. Come on forward, man. I'm Alex. Who else is there? I saw a couple more hands. You want to come on down now? We've got to wrap up this service. I don't want you to miss out on this prayer. Okay, we're going to pray. So what I'm going to do here, guys, is just pray a simple prayer to God, and you can repeat after me, and everyone, everyone in the congregation is going to repeat with us, right? So you're not alone in this, right? So just uh, pray this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you for your love, for your grace, for your goodness. Lord, I repent from sin, and I receive your grace. I give my life to you. I will worship you. I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to pray with you just quickly. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here right now. Dreams are coming back. Dreams are coming back. Visions are coming back. Courage is being restored. Boldness is coming back for you. See for you that God's goodness is going to be revealed in a much greater light. You're going to encounter His presence in a much greater depth. And you will become convinced that God is love and God is good. In Jesus' name. Bless my brother, Lord. Thank you for His boldness, for His courage to receive you, God. May the goodness of the gospel May the goodness of the gospel, may the goodness of the gospel be felt in his heart, be felt in his spirit. May he receive you, God. Thank you for your love for him, God. You love him so much that you die for him. Lord Jesus, bless him in your mighty name. Amen. Guys, you've got some uh, there's some friends here just behind you who are going to chat with you and go through your, and chat through your decision and give you a Bible and all that. So if you just want to go with them, we'll just give him one more hand, guys. Thank you. We've gone over time, so I'm going to wrap it up right now. But Pastor Harley, if it's okay after we close the service, I want to pray for anyone who's got dreams and any visions. And I can, I, I want to, I'll be here as the service closes, and, and, and I want to pray for anyone who's got dreams and wants a prophetic word or wants prayer uh, about those dreams and to, just to encounter God's presence. I'm here tonight for you. I'm here tonight to pray. I really want to see God move in your world. So please come on forward. I'll be waiting here for you. Uh, but thank you for having me tonight, guys. It's been such a uh, privilege and a pleasure, and I'll see you soon.